for the book, which is on your notices. It's written by Steve Furness. I encourage people to, to buy the book and to look at it. It's about hearing the voice of God and learning to put our minds in a place that we can hear what God's saying to us. Last week, we talked about how the first step in being in a place where we can hear God's voice is not only knowing but believing the truth that God not only loves us but likes us. That our self-esteem and our self-confidence needs to be based on that fact. And when we know that truth in our hearts and in our minds, it's still some of the chattering and the negative stuff that we keep telling ourselves that we're then able to hear God's voice speaking to us. And I talked about how last week the important thing is just to keep repeating God's truth. And that reading um, that verse from the Psalms, does anyone remember what the verse was? I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So if we keep repeating that self, whenever we're feeling um, attacking ourselves or being negative, to keep repeating, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God not only loves me, but he likes me. And when I start to feel God's confidence of me, it puts me in a place then to be able to listen to God's voice. So that's a process that takes time. But as we do that and as we start to hear what God might be saying to us, the problem is is that God often leads us out beyond where we are. To listen to God's voice is often to step out from where we are and follow God into the unknown. But then the question is, am I really hearing God right? Is that the right thing? Do I know for sure? What will happen? What if? And so the next thing that we experience is fear. The fear of what if. What if I get it wrong? What if it's not right? What if, what if, what if? Is anyone here good at saying what ifs to themselves? We do it all the time. Now, there is such thing as good fear. Because fear protects us. So good fear is the sort of fear when you're young and you've got a a powerful motorbike and you're going on a mountain and you're getting into it, going fast around all the corners, getting faster and faster and the adrenaline's kicking in and you're saying, this is fantastic. And so pushing it a bit harder, that bit harder, and then you get coming into this corner, going as fast as you can and you see a little tiny patch of gravel in the road. And you hit it and your front wheel starts to slide and somehow you've just managed to pull the bike upright but by this time you're well into the other lane and you just missed the guardrail. And you're praising God saying, thank you, there wasn't a car coming and you sort of crawl back home shaking. Now that fear is good because the next time you go to start doing something like that, you remember that fear and it says, Dial it back a bit. Don't be stupid. Don't take unnecessary risks. And our body is actually hardwired for fear. Fear is a good thing that is evolved through us to preserve us from danger so that we don't do stupid things. Fear is a good thing in many situations. But the problem is we no longer live in societies where we're physically in danger a lot. Instead, our fear is often the thought of the fear where, as adults, we have to make decisions 
which will have future consequences, but we're not sure exactly what they're going to be. It's unknown. So we're left with this choice or that choice or this choice and trying to choose between them, saying, what will happen? What if this happens? What if that happens? What's the right thing to do? And we get paralysed because it seems so hard and it's scary and we don't know what to do. And so often we will just take the minimal risk or we'll make no choice at all because we get paralysed by fear. Now let me tell you two stories I've heard on this recently. I was at a seminar a little while ago and uh, the guy leading it was a, a leader of a church and he told us the story about their church. They had been three small churches and they had experienced some growth and they decided to make the change to move to the biggest church that they had, to renovate it, do it up and, uh, and move into that. And so they did that and they grew a little bit more and it was in a nice church, and they're feeling pretty comfortable, and they're sort of going all right, paying the bills. But the leaders in that church started to feel, we're not really going anywhere. The new people who have come are people that have used to go to church and have have come back to church, and that's a good thing. But we haven't actually engaged our community. And we're middle in this new era of all these new families And in today's age, many of them have never been to church. We're not connecting with them. And so they started to think, what shall we do? And they started to feel that God was leading them to sell their nice church building and their comfortableness and buy a community centre. To move into it and to do church in a different way to engage the people around them. But that would mean going into even more debt. And then he tells the story, as they were trying to figure through this, they got paralysed by fear. Is this the right thing to do? How do we know? So they'd go on retreats, do other things, hoping that God would speak to them in such a clear way that they would know that this was absolutely the right decision before they embarked on it. But it didn't happen. Another story of a woman I met. She was acting as a consultant for not-for-profits, doing some work with them about connecting together, writing government grants and doing stuff. And she told me a bit about her story. A number of years ago, she'd been in a comfortable government position. She was permanent. She had great super. She sort of, you know, her work was okay. It was a bit challenging. But she wasn't passionate about it. And she felt to God saying to her, Maybe you should take a chance and step out into what you're passionate about. You're passionate about working with not-for-profits, helping them connect together, helping them grow. Maybe you should do that. And she was like, I'm in a government job. They can't take it away from me. I've got my great super. If I go into business for myself, not-for-profits, they don't have much money. Am I going to get enough work? Am I going to be able to pay the bills? What's going to happen? Is this the right thing to do? And once again, she was paralysed by fear. How do I know? Is this the right thing? What will I do? How do I make this choice? Sorry, the um, formatting on this quote has gone wrong. It talks about, it says, the professional, often the amateur thinks that they have to conquer their fear. They have to get there through, get to a place of think, when I'm in no fear, then I can make the decision. I have to get through, conquer, get over my fear, get rid of it. Then I can make my decision. 
But the professional, when he's talking about artists here who put everything on the line, know that fear cannot be overcome. There is no such thing as a fearless warrior or a dread-free artist. But instead, to get through fear does not mean conquering it, but actually going right into it and embracing it. What does this mean? And it's a three-step process. The first thing is to look at what we think God might be calling us and say and ask the questions, what if? What if this would happen? And actually start writing them down. What if this would happen as a possibility? What would then be the outcome? So for instance, for that church going through that process, they had to write down, what if it didn't go the way we want and we couldn't pay the bills? What would be the outcome? And they realised, well, the outcome would be they'd probably have to sell. And then maybe just have to move into a school hall or do something different. For the woman, thinking about whether God was calling her, she had thought, well, I've got a husband, he's got a job, but we've got a mortgage. What happens if I can't make enough money? Well, the outcome will be, I guess we'll have to downsize our house, cut down our living expenses. Many times I've faced a decision, or Alicia and I've faced a decision, we've gone through the, this thing. What is the worst outcome? What if? And then they faced it and said, okay, all right, if we had to sell the church building, if we had to meet in the church hall, what would that mean? And they realised an important thing. You know what? Church is not the building. Church is the people. We'd still be together. God would still be with us. It would be tough, but we could get through it. And same thing, the, the woman's thought, okay, if the worst had to happen, yes, we'd have to downsize. Yes, we'd have to cut back in our living expenses. But you know what? My husband loves me and supports me, and he wants me to do this. My family believes in it. I want to do it. You know what? Even if the worst happened, we could survive that because we love each other and we know God is with us. God will be with us. In facing these fears, it means facing the possible outcomes and knowing that whatever happens, God will still be with us, even in the worst outcomes. And I can say that with confidence because I face difficult choices. Sometimes they haven't gone the way that I wanted. And we've had to go through dark times. But my experience tells me, in those times, I've had family and friends loving me. God has been with me, and we've made it through. I know people, my friends, who've gone through far worse than me. And they tell me, you know what? It was tough. It was hard. But we survived. And we got through because... Our family with us, we had friends, but God was with us through that. It was okay. And so it made them and gave them confidence for them to face other future risks, knowing that even if bad thing happens, you know what? God will still be with me. It will be okay. I will get through. There is hope on the other side. Even for Jesus, had to face this. As he walked away of the cross... He walked in faith 
that God loved him, that God had a plan, the way of the cross. And as we know, when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A cry of fear, a cry of sense of loneliness and isolation. But the thing about that cry is what we don't, many people don't realise, it's part of Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 goes on, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry, cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. It is the cry of fear, of isolation, of worry. But the very next verses in it says, But you, Lord, are enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Jesus was reflecting in that cry on Israel's story. God had never, ever abandoned his people. God was always faithful, even in the deepest, darkest times. God was with them, and God's people survived, thrived, and then flourished. So when we face our fears, we can recognize what if those fears came to pass and say, even if that came to pass, you know what? God is still with us, and that can give us courage to face those decisions. To say, yes, they are scary. God might be calling me into something which I'm not quite sure about. I'm not even 100% this is exactly what God wants. But you know what? If you make that choice, if you move in that direction, if you go through the fear, the promise is no matter what happens, no matter what the choice is, God will be with you. So how do we nurture the courage to get to that place? I want to just finish by telling the story of Elijah and the small voice of God. So I don't know if you know the story of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God during a dark time in Israel's history. Um, King Ahab had married this queen Jezebel, and they had gone about systematically killing the prophets of Israel. Queen Jezebel had wanted to institute the worship of other gods. And it came to a time when Elijah was about the only last prophet left. And so he knew that God was calling him to do something about this. And so basically he called a challenge. He said to the prophets of Baal, which were from Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, get your best prophets, meet me on top of Mount Carmel, and we're going to have a contest. And he got them to um, put up their sacrifices, and he said, you know, um, ask your God to bring fire down on your sacrifices. And so... The prophets danced and, and no fire came. And they danced all night and then Elijah was taunting them, you know, try a bit harder, maybe your God's gone out for a sleep or a nap somewhere. You know, pray a bit harder. The prophets did, nothing happened. And then Elijah stepped out in faith and he said, and he prayed to the God of Israel, fire came down from heaven and burnt up his offering to the amazement of every other person. And the people of Israel saw that there was only one true God and drove out their false prophets. A great victory. But the very next thing that happened is Queen Jezebel heard this and then said to Elijah, 
God strike me down if you're not dead within two days. And Elijah, who had put his life in the line, done everything that God wanted him to, felt fear. And Elijah took off, ran into the desert. And he came to the mount of God. And he's lying there saying, God, I want to die. And God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says, look, God, you know the story. I've been faithful for you. I've done everything you want. And now they're out to get me. What's going on? I've done my best and it's not good enough. And so God says to Elijah, Elijah, go on to the mount, up the mountain and into a cave. And when you hear my voice, come out. So Elijah goes up the mountain. He goes into the cave. And then it says, there was a huge howling wind and trees were snapping and the whole earth was um, towering between this wind. But Elijah knew God was not in the wind. And then there came an earthquake and the mountain shook and everything trembled. But Elijah knew that God was not in that. So he stayed in the cave. And then there was a burning fire coming across the top of the mountain. And Elijah knew God wasn't in the fire, so he stayed in the cave. But then came the sound of sheer silence. And, God, and Elijah knew that God was in that. And so he stepped outside. And God said to him again, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah said, God, you know the story. I've done my best for you. But now people are out to kill me. I feel like I'm not good enough. And God said, Elijah, go back down the mountain. Go to your people. Go anoint Elisha, who I'm giving to you as a companion. And together with him, you will be my prophets to Israel. And so Elijah did what he was told. But the thing that he took to for him to have the courage to trust God again was to get out of the craziness, the wind, the earthquake, the fire, and to find the space to hear the small voice of God saying, it's okay, I'm with you, trust me, go back down, it's okay. So I want us to, us to leave thinking about that. In Scripture, it promises that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of strength and of courage. So when we hear God's voice, when it's, we think God might be leading us into new situations, stepping out of our comfort zone, and we're scared because we don't know what the future will hold, ask the question, what if, and think of the worst thing that can happen. Imagine that situation and then know no matter what, God will still be with me through that and will be okay. I can face that future knowing that God will still be there with me. Find the silent place that you can hear God's voice to know that God is with you. Going back to those two stories. So the church, once they realized that they would never ever be 100% confident that God was going to lead them into the decision, realized they had to face that fear and just take that step. So they did. 
They sold the property. They bought the community centre. And in the next two years, they lost 40% of their congregation. The third year, they sort of stayed at about zero. The fourth year, they started to grow again slowly. The fifth year, they doubled. And they went from strength to strength. But however, the minister said, that was one of the hardest times in my life, saying, was this the voice of God? But they came to realise, in looking at the fruit, God had been with them. And in that decision, another tough thing had happened. Because they were taking such risks and they were part of a conservative denomination, they got kicked out of their denomination. It was a hard, painful time for them. Yet God had been with them through that whole time. And he says, now looking back, there's no way we would have not chosen to go that path. It was hard, it was tough, but God was with us and amazing things happened. The woman who was professional said, you know what? It was hard. I left my job. And we didn't earn the sort of money that I thought we were going to earn. We did have to downsize. We did have to move. And he said, you know what I hadn't thought about is that being in business by yourself is lonely. And she'd had a battle of depression through that time as well. But she said, but you know what? Now we've changed our finances, we've changed how we live. I would never go back. I believe God led me in the right direction. It was hard, it was different. But now that I'm here, if you ask me to make the same decision again, I would not hesitate because God is with me and he's led me down a way which I would never have thought but has been the best thing for me and for my family. So as we face the future, we all face decisions which are hard, which cause us to fear. But the promise we need to hold on to is it doesn't matter where we go, what decisions we make, how hard things get, God will get us through them because that is God's promise to us. And when we realise that, we can take risks for God, we can go down paths which we didn't imagine beforehand and we will know God's blessing and God's life for us even through the hardest times. Let's pray. Gracious God, as you call us out into faith, you call us sometimes to make decisions which we are fearful of. We're unsure if we are right, if we're wrong. We're unsure if the future holds. There are many what-if scenarios. But help us to have the confidence in who you are, the faithful God of Israel. who was so faithful that you sent your son Jesus to live, to show us your love, to walk the way of the cross risking death, trusting in your love, and that you raised him from the dead and promised us that you will never, ever leave us alone. Help us to trust in you, to move through our fears, that we can walk in the path that you have prepared for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So to finish our service this morning, we're going to sing the song, Shout to the